Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast by two moms who write about autism and who also happen to be Star Trek fans. We talk about the new series, compare it with previous versions of Star Trek, and also talk about any autism examples we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Vicki. Together, we are Moms Going Boldly. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Moms Going Boldly. Today, Vicki and I are talking about the newly released movie, Please Stand By. We were very excited about this movie because it combined two of our favorite things, autism and Star Trek. In brief, the story is that a young autistic woman wants to submit a Star Trek script for a contest and so she leaves her group home in San Francisco and makes the journey to Los Angeles to be able to accomplish this goal. So Vicki and I have had a couple of conversations about this movie. The first thing that we wanted to do was try to make this podcast as spoiler-free as possible for those who have not yet seen the movie. Unlike our Star Trek Discovery podcasts, which are chock full of spoilers, as well as our off-the-wall and not-so-off-the-wall theories, this time we are going to limit our spoilers as much as we possibly can, sticking to that information which was available in the summary of the movie as well as the information that was available in the trailer for the movie. And the other thing we wanted to talk about primarily was the Star Trek aspects of the movie and then give our perspectives of the autism aspects of the movie. What did you think of how Star Trek was woven into this movie? Well, it it did go along with, it went right along with the movie. Everything she had written about the characters seemed to seemed to help her move along with her journey. It also, there were a couple things that wrote specifically about Mr. Spock that she was wishing, not, I don't want to give it away too much, the writing about Mr. Spock learning to control his emotions and learning to tell a joke. I think she was internalizing that and she wanted that to be her. She wanted to be able to learn that. Yeah, I I agree. It was very clear that she really identified with the character of Spock. And that makes a lot of sense. Because uh, Spock as a character, and there are several other Star Trek characters that are similar in this vein, Spock as a character was often flummoxed by human emotional responses. And social responses and what all the underlying social communication was. I remember an episode, it was called the Galileo 7. It was the one where they were on a shuttlecraft and then they crashed on a planet with giant creatures that were wearing really bad bearskin costumes. (laughs) Right, and Spock was in charge. And Spock was in charge. And there's one scene where he says... I've done everything. I've followed every logical course. I've done everything exactly right and made every logical decision. And yet everyone here is really mad at me. And I don't understand why. Right. And it's a good scene. And I think it's exactly the kind of framework that we find our main character, Wendy, dealing with. 
that she's done everything logical and yet she still hasn't been able to connect in the way that she thinks she should be. Yeah. I thought that the Star Trek was beautifully woven into the movie. It clearly reflected an understanding of what Star Trek was about, how passionate its fans are, and how easy it is to really identify with what Star Trek means and what it's talking about and what it's trying to do and say. Mm-hmm. I liked yeah. I liked her storyline in the script that she was writing. It was wonderful. It was, yeah. And then I liked what they were bringing in from... The, the sort of like the themes that they were bringing in from Star Trek that were overarching and not necessarily related to her script. Yeah. What did you think of our uh, police officer that spoke Klingon? Well, I thought that was a ridiculous part of the movie. <laughs> I'm glad somebody spoke Klingon, but what's the chances that you're going to run into somebody that spoke Klingon? I just, I mean, I appreciate the use of Klingon, but... I actually really I enjoyed it. And the reason I enjoyed it is exactly what you just said. What are the chances you're going to find somebody who as is as interested and passionate about something that you care about as you are? And when that happens, right. it's a delightful, wonderful, amazing surprise. And so I liked that part of the movie where so many people that she was encountering didn't understand her at all. Here was somebody that actually got at least one part of her. Yeah, and I, I, said, I think I said that in a yeah. conversation earlier. Uh, it, there was one person that did understand her well too but um it it was just i just thought it was ridiculous (laughs) i mean i appreciate the klingon and i do appreciate the part and i'm kind of wondering when this was filmed because clips that we see of her watching star trek i believe it was the the tholian web yes it was that was that was the episode she was watching yep if this was filmed before or during star trek discovery because they were watching that and then there was one part that made me laugh when gripped and she said in the end is in Klingon but don't worry they'll be subtitled I know that was wonderful <laughs> very thoughtful yeah. a nice a nice show of theory of mind on her part recognizing yeah. that other people might not be able to understand the Klingon so overall while the movie is about a Star Trek contest that's really all the Star Trek that we really find in the movie. Right. It's it's her script. We get to see that scene from the Tholian web. Her cute little dog is wearing a Star Trek uniform. And we've got uh, the police officer who speaks Klingon. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And the rest of the story is about this autistic woman's journey. So would you like to talk a little bit about the autism now? Or is there anything else you want to say about the Star Trek elements? No, like you said, there wasn't really that many Star Trek moments. It was pretty much about the movie. Yeah, and I mean, it certainly reinforced what we already know and that is that Star Trek is so deeply embedded in our culture that you can make a movie like this and have Star Trek be the exterior framework for it and it works. Yeah. Moving on to the autism pieces for our listeners one of the things that Vicky and I decided that we were going to do to discuss the autism components of the movie was to talk a little bit about our experiences with autism. Our children are actually in two very different neighborhoods of the autism spectrum, and yet they are still autistic. And so we wanted to share that with our listeners so they can understand how deep and broad the autism spectrum is. So Vicki, would you like to go ahead and start? Sure. Um, My son is 26 years old. He's an adult. He didn't speak until he was seven. Does speak, but communication, verbal and communicative are two different things. Um, He cannot always communicate or if something's wrong where safety he's not you know he can himself around the home and you know his day program 
but he's not aware of safety. He's not aware of, you know, looking when you cross the street. There's a lot of things he doesn't understand, and there's a lot of things that are almost impossible to explain to him. It's like trying to explain to somebody who's not going to pick it up along the way the difference between me and you. You can't. You can't explain that. Something somebody just picks up along the way, and he can't understand that, and he confuses that all the time. So a lot of times when he's talking to me, I'm not sure whether he's talking about himself or whether he's talking about somebody else. And when you're trying to pull information out of him, it thinks that he's giving you the wrong answer, so he'll change his story. So you're never really sure what's going on. But my biggest concern with him is safety. He doesn't understand strangers. He doesn't understand being taken advantage of. He can't, there's many things he can't do for himself. Okay. My son is a teenager and he (laughs) is verbal and he is aware of circumstances. He is one of these kids that when you might explain to them that the child is on the autism spectrum, people say, oh, well, he doesn't look autistic, which of course begs the question, what does autism look like? And most people are surprised to hear that he's on the autism spectrum because he is socially adept. He is socially aware and he is able to, through the teaching of rules, understands the social norms and is able to function in society for short periods of time. Long periods of social interaction start to wear him out. He's primarily motivated by anxiety. That's his big companion. And so we do a lot of work to try to help him manage his anxiety. So whereas your son is is unaware of safety issues, my son is over aware of safety issues and sometimes paralyzed by them. But I think it's safe to say that both of our kids experience meltdowns. Mm -hmm. Both of our kids stim. Dimming is when like if somebody kicks their leg, that's a kind of stimming. Or if somebody plays with their hair, that's a kind of stimming. Well, my son has stims that are very specific to him. Your kid probably has stims that are very specific to him. Does your son flap? He flaps. My son flaps a little bit too. My son's flapping is more along the lines of dinosauring. Yeah, does chicken. Chicken? Okay. Yeah, mine, mine will be a pterodon. And so it's big, long arms, sweeping flaps. And he only really does short flapping when he's incredibly agitated. So that's kind of where our kids are on the spectrum. And that's the perspective that we're going to be bringing to our conversation about the portrayal of autism in this movie. So Vicki, you had some thoughts on this. Why don't you go ahead and start? Well, I, I'm, and I'm not going to say that I'm not happy that there are be a, a new whole bunch of portrayal of autist, autistic characters in movies and TV. I'm glad. We need awareness. I'm glad. But they all seem to be at the same level as like the good doctor. We got a savant. We have a savant. We don't need a savant. And most kids on the spectrum are not savants. savants. And already led a whole generation into thinking that everybody with autism was just like that and were savants and can count cards. And we finally got away from that. And here we have another one. And it just, even like with atypical, that's one part of the spectrum. All that we keep seeing the part of the spectrum that can go to school without an aid. Else, although she wasn't supposed to, and make her way to wherever she was going. And I'm not looking to have my son end of the spectrum all over TV either, but I don't want people to come away with the notion that that's all there is. So it's important that people recognize in watching this movie that this is a snapshot of one person and one experience on the spectrum. And that's, you know, that's something that we hear a lot in 
the autism community that was a quote by Dr. Stephen Shore, which is, when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism because the spectrum is so variable. Right. And I just, we need the awareness. I'll never dispute that we need the awareness. But if we keep seeing characters on the same part of the spectrum or around the same part of the spectrum, that it's not creating awareness for the rest of us. It's actually doing us harm because people think that, yes, he can go to school. Yes, he can control his meltdowns. She can leave the house and figure out how to take a bus. That's not all of us. Right. So with that in mind, that, and again, so we want to emphasize to our listeners that this is just one place on the spectrum and that's it. This is not everything. This is just a very narrow framework. I I think that's a, a very important point to be made. Did you find the portrayal of autism to feel, was it realistic to you? There were some parts I could relate to. The rule. There's things that he won't understand after years and years and years of trying to teach him, and he just can't understand. And in those cases, I have to make rules because it's important. And I'm fortunate that he follows rules. Some kids might not, but he does. Yeah. My son needs the rules to help with the executive function challenges, but with his strict anxiety, I can't make the rules set in stone because that will then cause him to panic. So I have to have the rules available to guide him, but make them more like, you know, the pirate code. Right. And see, on my side, there's no gray areas for him. So we found her following of the rules to be, uh, that felt real, that felt accurate to us. It did, yes. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, also, just the one, there was one part, and, uh, and of course not to give it away, but there was one part, she put her hand over a sign. Yes. She was breaking a rule. To make the rule go away, yep. Yeah, and I, I can see my son doing sort of something like that. There's a, um, a meltdown in this movie. Right. Did that feel accurate to you? My son had meltdowns when he was younger. I've never had to, maybe when he was younger, but I've never had to, you know, restrain him. Yes and no, it was familiar. His his aren't like that, but yes, right. it was familiar. It was familiar to me. When my son was younger, I did need to restrain him because he would self-injure, which is what Wendy was starting to do. What was not so realistic to me was how, and we'll only touch on this very briefly, but how the home director and the sister didn't seem to understand Wendy's triggers, which for, at least for us, once we understood what our son's triggers were, we could work to eliminate them and that would eliminate the meltdowns. Right, right. So that seemed, that was confusing to me that they didn't seem to understand that about her. It it was. Although it seemed like she was trying to get her ready for what was going to happen in the scene. Maybe she just didn't. Under those circumstances, I'm surprised they didn't make some rules for her for that. Yeah. Because that would have helped with the informa- helped her deal with information that she didn't want to hear. Right. Other aspects of the portrayal of autism. I, I, I thought that the, the fact that she didn't seem to have combed hair was accurate. Because a lot of times hair combing can be very uncomfortable. It's very, it's a very sensorially intensive process for a lot of people. So hers was minimally done, which I thought looked accurate. Well, we talked a little bit about the group home, and which I don't think is giving away a spoiler. No, it's not. It looked like it was a very nice place. Looking, looking at this place where she was, I'm just glad that they were nice to her. So, as she doesn't understand autism, and I'm looking at it as like, thank God she's safe. Yeah, excellent perspective. Any other comments about the portrayal of autism? I didn't really see much stimming from her. 
At least not, no, not, at all. not the way that I am accustomed to seeing it. Though she does knit. I don't think that's really giving anything away. So I wondered if maybe the knitting was stimming for her. That might be, yeah. Well, her routines, you know, having everything in a routine hit home, obviously. Yeah. That does hit home with the routine and the list of what you do first and what you do next. Very recognizable. Yeah. And she also, um, she seemed to maybe verbally stim a bit to, right. her, to herself. And of course, there was, you know, re- resistance to eye contact, which sometimes you can see that on the spectrum. Yes. Did you like the movie? As a feel-good, Hallmark made-for-TV type movie. I, I, re- I didn't. I was disappointed. What would you have changed to make it meet I, I your expectations? Know, I don't know what I was expecting, but it just seems it was a, just a feel-good movie with a Star Trek theme. I honestly don't know what I was expecting. I liked it. I didn't really have any expectations either, and I thought it did some elements of itself really well, and some things I thought could have been made a little bit better, but not so badly that it took away from what you had mentioned at early on as we were talking about this, and that is that it gives people another opportunity to have a better understanding of what autism can look like. And so I right. thought that, that the value there was greater than any flaws in the storytelling, if that makes any sense. It does. I just, and there's a couple of parts where I thought, and, and we talked about it, where the way it's presented to me anyway, that's to do something badly enough, they could overcome the meltdown, they could overcome the sensory issues. Yes, it's sometimes the case, but it is not always. And you're right, that's, that's an important point to make. It, and, and I just presented was that the casual viewer would think, oh, okay, well, if they want to do it enough, they won't have a meltdown. Right. They won't have sensory overload. And that isn't, and there's sometimes it does work that way, but. Right, exactly. Choice. We can't be controlled. There are ways we can manage it. There are ways they could learn to manage it. Something they could turn on and turn off. It's not a choice. Yeah, and you're right. In this story, which is, as we've said, a snapshot, a, a vignette. There's no guarantee that tomorrow, Wendy would be able to make the same journey for the same reason. Tomorrow, it might completely blow up and be completely unmanageable. Absolutely. Or if if any one element of the journey had changed, it could have become unmanageable. Yeah, and I don't think that's explained enough. I don't know how they would explain it, but I just don't think do the casual viewer. That would be probably the biggest takeaway we would want people to have from this, and that is that this is just one story of one person with one experience on one day that cannot be extrapolated out into any kind of an axiom for this is what it means to have autism. Right. That was my biggest issue I had. Yeah. And you're right. How do you present that? How do you communicate that when you're telling a story? It's great that they're telling a story about an autistic person. How do you communicate that this is just one story about one day and this is not how it might you know have played out any other day right the assumptions that people make about the ability to get on the bus and to walk down the highway and to figure out how to continue moving forward when you don't know what to do next you know there's assumptions that people were like okay i can do that but those assumptions can't be made those are the things that frequently are the stumbling blocks exactly And yet, the flip side is that part of the story was that there were assumptions being made that were incorrect about what she couldn't do. What's interesting is that we're concerned that the story didn't share that these things could be done, but not always. And then part of the story that was actually told were that that there was the assumption that they couldn't be done, but they were able to be done under these circumstances. Right. It's a bit of a paradox. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Would you recommend to our listeners that they see it? Sure, sure. Just as long as they keep in mind that it's one view of autism. Yes. 
one very small view of autism. But it was cute. I like it was funny in part. I watch things like this. I have to compare. It's you know you have to. It's in your nature. But other people wouldn't. And it is a cute story. Yeah. I thought it was cute in parts. I thought it was funny in part. I was kind of anxious through the whole thing. <laughs> even though and even though a lot of the things that happened to Bull, I was still anxious over it. Right. So it's, it was good storytelling. Yeah, I would recommend it be watched as well for the same reasons that you just said. This has been the Moms Going Boldly review of the movie Please Stand By, and we look forward to your joining us for our continued discussions of Star Trek Discovery as we move to the end of the first season, and we thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find me at autismmom.com, that's autism-mom.com. You can find me at takingstep.com. And we hope that you will join us for the next episode of Moms Going Boldly. Music used on Moms Going Boldly is entitled Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. It is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. And please follow Ross Bugden on Twitter at Ross Bugden.